listener production. You are listening to episode 195 of the Howie Games Part B featuring motor racing legend Dick Johnson racing. So like I said, mate, we could talk we could talk about races and but there's various reasons why I introduced yourself as an icon at the start. I think we've talked about the first one, that the country supported you and you, you yep. paid the country back. The second one, which I didn't realise until I was uh, Tommy and I were having a chat about it, like we, we turn on now and V8s or F1s, like it's incredible the in-car camera yep. um, and, and the coverage, but it, it's just pictures. But then I'm looking back at you. So tell me how race cam was brought to you by the uh, Seven Mike Network. Raymond. So so Mike, Mike Raymond, Raymond again. Yep. So yep. so what what happens? What how does this? World first in any sport happened. Two thirteen six Dick. You had your hands full there, son. Uh, I, I had everything going for him and I screwed up. What did he do? Just clip the wall on the exit to uh, BP? Yeah, clobber the fence, mate, and I've had a tire go down here before. A lot of people probably don't realise that race cam and all those cameras and that was developed right here in Channel 7 in Australia. People would have no idea that as the and case. And that's what started it worldwide. Yes. And they took it all around the world. And because even in NASCAR, because I was in NASCAR with yes. the, the camera in the car and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And uh, yeah, the whole thing evolved from here. And around the world, they'd tried so many different things. They had aerials up, they did all sorts of things. But the one link that Channel 7 worked out what was required was they said, what we can do is we can beam from the car yep. up to the helicopter and then back down to the ground. So that was the development. And that was that was the, the secret gotcha. to the success of it. So what did you think when they said, you know, that, right, we want to, like how big was the thing in your car? Full-size camera. Oh, it's a full-size camera, like that the camera's got on yeah, his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, so There's a bit of weight there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it rigged up in the... It was on the on the roll cage, <laughs> and then the Charlie, this guy by the name of Charlie, used to sit in the OB van, and he had the joystick, and he could move the camera around, turn it, and... It's a full-size camera. Full-size camera. Right, so then what happens, we, we can see inside a race car for the first time, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm explaining to you why Dick became such an icon. This is the second reason. All of a sudden, <laughs> Dick, Dick Johnson, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And, and then you're, you're live. Dickie Johnson coming back up through the field again, Dick. Oh, I don't know about that, mate. I'm as I'm deaf as a beetle at the moment because I can't hear a thing. One of my earplugs has fallen out when I got in the car. And this thing's so damn noisy. I'll be as deaf as a beetle before long. <laughs> At one stage there, I don't suppose you would have given yourself a chance of a top ten finish, but you're well and truly in there. Well, mate, I don't know, there's still 20-odd laps to go or 30 laps to go, but the trouble is I, I couldn't pass a cup of tea in a straight line. <laughs> so this is why all of a sudden, which is what... As sports broadcasters, that's our whole aim, is to take the personality of the athletes with helmets on in yep. motorsport and take them into the lounge room. And all of a sudden, Seven developed their technology, and then they've got this bloke from Queensland, <laughs> and he's, he's just a bit rough around the edges. Oh, oh. Like, mate, they're, well, you're, you're, they're saying, oh, what happened there? Oh, these turkeys, they're too slow, they're <laughs> in my way. It's look, classic TV, Dick. That must be pretty dicey up the top of the elbow, Dick, where uh, Steve Masterton's car has been parked. It certainly is, especially when you get caught up behind some of these slow guys 
They're bloody hopeless down the hill, some of them guys. Restart didn't bother you, Dick? Sorry again? The restart didn't bother you? <laughs> I gained a place. <laughs> <laughs> My life is surrounded with with comedy. I, I like Sense of humour is extremely important to me. Yeah, and, well, I've seen that already. <laughs> and you've got to have a sense of humour, otherwise, you you know, you can't laugh about something or laugh at yourself. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, uh, that's that's why it was so successful. I think was because you put a bit of humour into it and probably tell a bit of a joke here and there or something like that. It, well, was, it looked like you're out for a Sunday drive with with Jill yeah. beside you and the kids in the yeah. back. So how was it? When did you start to gain an understanding within the sport or within the general community that was having a big impact on on the viewers? Like, were people coming up to you and, oh, Dick, I loved it in the car, or how did it yeah, represent they, to you? Well, they and Mike Raymond was right with it. Yep. He was the one, and and uh, and his his protege was young Neil Crompton. Of course, he, that's where Cromley started. Right, he was he ended up being Mike's right hand man. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're firing questions. So at one stage you went and raced in America. Now, this is my favourite clip, Dick. So you race in America. Um, so up at Sonoma and... Yeah, the banquet, the 1989 Banquet 300, <laughs> right? And you, you've, 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 you've driven off the track. And they crossed to you. I got a flat tyre. Right, right, right. So you got a flat, did you? Yeah. And they crossed you and they're like, Dick Johnson. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I can hear you. Dick Johnson, this is Bob Jenkins at ESPN. Can you hear me? Apparently not. Yeah, I can hear you. You can hear me? And you're describing the track, and you, I, I wish there was a commentator's cam because you're describing the track, and you said, Dick, it's as slippery as a butcher's block up here. <laughs> and, and I can only picture these yanks singing, what the hell is this bloke from Australia talking about? <laughs> a little bit. Like it's as slippery as a butcher's block up here. There's more gunk on the road than there is uh, on the kitchen table. It's classic then, TV. Well, yeah, it was, well, it did say it had about as much grip as a dog on lino, you know. So, <laughs> so it, 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 it took you it took you to the masses. And the other thing, um, as a kid growing up, that I got a love for you, and then I was lucky enough to work with, with Barry Sheen, was the Shell ads. Yep. Oh, get us a chocolate bar while you're in there. Chocolate bar. Yeah. Okay. Actually, make it a couple. I'm starving. Couple. All right. Oh, oh, and a paper. And a paper. Paper too? Oh, and a drink. Something nice and cold. Anything else, Barry? Maybe a sock? Sock. I don't want a sock for. And I was looking back at the put a sock in it, Baz, and then the second one on the plane. A few bits and bobs at the shell shop. Can I get you gentlemen anything? A sock, maybe? A sock? Only joking, sir. I'm missing something here. How did how did that come? And like that was the biggest ad on Australian yep. TV at the time. Yeah. Like, t- tell me about that. Well, it was Shell wanted to sort of you know introduce the motor racing side of thing into their advertising, and yep. so they got hold of Barry, and because Baz was around, and he was he's a comical sort of a dude. Yeah, and, he is. And George Patterson's with a oh, with a the ad agency, the ad agency, and and. Uh, we had a great relationship with them. We we did. It was a pity that they never got shown, but we did a lot of ads, and I mean, we did something like five in a day. Really? Yeah. And only a certain amount went to air because they had Circle K. Remember the Circle K before the oh, Shell before servos the, yeah, and that? Yeah, yeah, that was sort of like. But a then pretty... they then they we did a whole bunch of Circle K ads, which were trick, and then they boned 
the Circle K. Imagine if they were somewhere, yeah. somewhere in it. Oh, I'm sure they would be in the archive somewhere. Imagine seeing Baz and you back yeah. then. Those ads, I, I can I can only presume, did an enormous amount of good work for Shell. But again, it took you and Baz yeah, this sure. time to the people. Absolutely. And he was, Baz was the most natural guy you've ever met, you know. What you saw was what you got, you know. Now, about ice cream, Dick, yeah. <laughs> you'll come back out. <laughs> about a drink, Dick. <laughs> Classic ads. So, mate, you, you raced for uh, – well, you, 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 you raced for sort of 40-odd years here at, at the top level. Yeah. What, what does it take to be one of the best for that long? You're only as good as the people you've got around you. Okay. I was always taught – that the, the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> I hope Tommy's listening to that. Are you listen to that out there, Tommy? <laughs> He's giving me the, the only place success comes before work is the, in dictionary. the dictionary. Yeah. People go, oh, yeah, right. Okay. You know, you just got to work hard at it, and if, if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way of getting it. The chequered flag is out for you. Is the moment. Savour it, John. John Bell wins the 1994 Woo! Tui's 1000. Dick Johnson is absolutely jubilant, as you'd expect. Craig Lowndes and Brad Jones, a great job in 0-1-5 to finish second, holding up the whole flag. And then you had the, the scenario where one of your children, Steve, who, again, who was always very good to me, all of a sudden he's racing a car in your team and, yep. and you eventually race with him, which we'll talk about. What's it like? What's it like with the pressures of having the team owner hat on, wanting performance, and then having the father hat on and wanting your best for your child? Like how do you keep those, buddy? And you've just rolled your eyes at me. because well, it, it's, it's not easy, no. and, you know, but it's now that we've got a grandson too that's in the same situation where he's racing as well. And he's got the best name for a motor racing driver ever, Jet Johnson. <laughs> yeah. He needs to go to NASCAR. Jet Johnson. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, correct. So, sorry, go on. So the relationship when, you, when you're the boss yeah, and you're well, the father. It, you know, it's just, it's only now when you get get one of yours that's sort of uh, out there doing it that I had a better appreciation of what poor old Jilly went through. Yeah, okay. In what way? Well, you know, just the... Obviously, the nerves and stuff like that, and with a couple of the accidents that I had and things that really, you know, was uh, was pretty. I could imagine being sitting on the on the fence watching all this happen and not knowing what the outcome was. You know, what? Well, hold Steve for a minute. What was the biggest accident you had? You, you famously, I was looking at it last night. It, it looked like you were driving through a forest there at one stage. Yeah, that was, that, was that at Bathurst? Yeah, that was at Bathurst out of Forest Elbow coming onto the straight during the top ten shootout. I have to think what the final lap time Oh, he's hit the fence oh. and he's gone off the track into a tree. Marshals and firemen racing to the scene where Johnson has gone off and either taken our cable or the camera. Marshals very quickly on the scene as we bring you these pictures from There's the Dick Johnson. He's sent a picture now. There he is taking the helmet off. He's okay. Throws the helmet in disgust after the car. Jill Johnson being comforted in the pit area. She's been watching our monitors. She knows that husband Dick is okay. At the end of the wall, see, the wall didn't continue on. It was a, a concrete wall. Yep. But at the end of the wall, for every other person that drives up there, because it's a two-way road every other day of the year, there's a great big bundle of tyres were full of concrete. Okay. And... You know, you, you clip walls and that, that's no big deal. And uh, But I got to the end of the wall and I grabbed hold of the front tyre and broke the steering arm off. And 
then it landed on that front wheel and took off into the scrub. But, but it thought, was yeah. the scrub. It looks like you're bush oh, yeah, bashing. Yeah. I thought, you know, it could be in trouble here. But do you have a moment in a uh, – Mark Webber talked about this. Remember famously in, in the German forest, whether it was Hockenheim, when that sports car took off it in took the air on him yeah, and, and he, he talked that. about yep. having time to evaluate was, what was going on. Did, do you, did you feel like that in, in a V8 or in a, in a race car? Strange – Strange thing, I remember clipping the wall, but and believe it or not, I got out of the car. I walked up to the up the bank onto the the edge of the racetrack, and uh, and the next car was coming round to to do a lap, which was Brocky. Right, and he stopped and picked me up and took me back to the pits. Did he? Yeah, in the passenger seat. In the middle of qualifying. Well, it wasn't qualifying. It was a one-lap deal. Oh, each, in the top yeah. ten? Yeah. So, so he was on his hot lap? He was uh, started his hot lap right. or about to start it. You know? Okay. And uh, and I cannot remember from the time that I got out of the car. Yeah. Once the door was open, I couldn't get out the driver's door. It was absolutely trash. But I got out through the over that great big camera and that. Yeah. <laughs> and out the passenger door. <laughs> over the camera. From that point, once I got out of that car, I cannot remember a thing until I was walking up the back of the pits huh. with with Jilly and, and Frenchie's wife. So you talked about Jill having to watch you and then, then you in a situation with Steve. Then you get in a situation where, where you're racing yep. with Steve. So you raced together at Bathurst. Yep. I think yeah, you might have a DNF and then a, a fourth. Yeah, we, we – um, yeah. So what, what's it like, what, you know? It was pretty special, you know. I can only imagine. Along pit straight we go. A big lock-up for Craig Lowndes. That will put Stephen Johnson in the race lead. Jill can't watch, but the rest of them have gone berserk. There's not too many people get the opportunity to do that, and certainly in this day and age, I don't think it'll happen. And did you approach it as a co-driver, co-driver, or a father-son relationship when you were racing? Oh, just both of us drove as far as... I don't have drivers and co-drivers. I just have two drivers. Okay. If you know what I mean. I do know because, what you mean. You know, I don't think you should favour one or the other. But uh, at the end of the day, you've got the number one and number two drivers these days. So. And what was it like racing with your son? It was pretty pretty special, really special. It's something that that he, he'd wanted to do for a long time. And, and uh, yeah, because JB... And I had been together over many, many years, like 11 years he was with me there, that we raced together at Bathurst. And, and the opportunity came to have Steve there and it was was pretty special. Back to DJ in a moment. Now, we have featured many, many motorsport folk on this podcast over the years, including one of my favourites, a man that raced for Dick, Scotty McLaughlin. Now racing IndyCar in the States, Scotty first joined us on the show on episode 78, where he detailed his devastation on losing a title at the last possible moment. I just stuck crying. Just, um, it's just like the hardest moment in my life. You know, I worked, I worked so hard to get to that point from when I was six years old, you know, getting sponsorships and stuff. And, and then I, I was in a position, a great team to win. And I had the big boss there, Roger, watching me. And I felt like I just, I felt like a failure. I felt like a, well, I was, I, I was a loser. Um, I was so embarrassed. Embarrassed? That's yeah, an unusual word. Yeah. I was just like, like, this is just, Especially when I rocked up to the gala dinner the next night, the awards dinner, like our Brownlow. The very dinner, next night. The next night. And 
seen Jamie with the championship cup and all the highlights literally from the race in Newcastle and literally every highlight, mate. Like There was like four or five highlights and it was all my stuff-ups. It was all everything that I did wrong. That is Scotty McLaughlin on episode 96. He also joined us on episode 126 to talk about his journey to the United States of America and racing IndyCars. When I went back to the hotel with Carly that night, I'm like, far out, this is, this is going to be hard. You know, like this is this is a, the toughest challenge of my life, regardless of what I've done in supercars, regardless of whatever I've done in anything. This is going to be tough, and and absolutely, it's it, had, it has been and still is. Um, there's times where I've been testing, and I just haven't been able to just crack that much pace. I've had the pace, but I'm always at two or three tenths off. That was in the early days. Now I'm, I'm okay, but I was like far out, like. Mm. Yeah, it's it's quite it does get quite daunting at times, that's for sure. That's Scotty McLaughlin on episode ninety-six and episode one hundred and twenty-six of the show. Let's get back to Dick. We talked about some big highs. Um the, the other reason I wanted to get you on here, Dick, because you you had the high and then you had a big low and then you've rebuilt and you you're all highs and blue skies. Now tell tell me what happened in the wild times with car sponsors and what it, what happened to you and your business and everything that you and Jill had accumulated over a long period of time and a lot of hard work, if you don't mind me asking. Well, you end up with – my biggest problem is I trust too many people. Yep. And, uh, which is which is a, is a beautiful thing as well, but it can be – in your caper, it can yeah, be a tough it thing. Was, it was something that ended up biting me in the end and cost me just about everything. What happened? Oh, we ended up, um, I suppose, well, pretty much in debt up to my buddy eyeballs and and uh, we eventually ended up sort of scrambling our way back and getting our way out of it and certainly in the latter part of it all, uh, Ryan Story came along who used to be a, a mad keen fan as a kid yep. in the Sierra days and he just, um, he was just a real... Died in the wool fan and without a doubt the smartest guy I've ever met in my whole life. Huh. So so the, the story goes that you lost up nine plus million dollars. Is that somewhere Correct. near accurate? Yep. So when, Was fudged out of me, yeah. So, so it conned out of you through some businesses sponsoring the car that I, I presume the businesses went under, did they, Dick? Uh, I had a, a person working for me who really guided us into this right. yeah, situation. So wh- when you've had a lifetime's work financially taken away, before we get to you and Jill, how do you go about, because I, I remember this time, how do you go about your race team, which are, for you was an extended part of your family, telling them that there's not much here to pay people? Yeah, well, I can honestly say that there wasn't one time ever where all of the staff missed a pay packet. So you you managed to keep it going? Every single week. Every single week they got their pay packet. And what were you and Jill doing at this time? Living on the bones of our ass, but... What does that mean? Well, when you you owe a lot of money, you've got to find a way and put a structure together to to pay it all back. Yep. And, uh, And that's exactly what we did. You just got to find a way and dig yourself out of it, and uh, fortunately, um, that's exactly what Ryan did. And how did that 
like we talked about the the pressure of having the country supporting your race team and then yep. winning Bathurst. How did the like how did this manifest in it in you in your health in your day to day life? Yeah, it sort of knocked your health around a bit. You know, the stress is a terrible thing, but as I say, if you've got the right people around you, you know, you can do anything. And and uh, fortunately, the ones that really trusted in us, um, and I was just determined that. You know, I wasn't going to be the one that could walk away from owing people money and things like that. That's right. just not me. What did you learn from it? Just be careful who you trust. Right. Those piercing blue eyes are looking at me. I can't, can't even look in your eyes <laughs> you say that. You, you, you end up joining up with um, Roger Penske and then a fellow that's been on this show twice, Dick, once when he just lost at Newcastle for you, Scotty McLaughlin. Scotty, yeah. Um, and he talked about how broken he was. He, in, a, in a way, he lost the unlosable championship. penalty for car number 17, front driving infringement. Wow! Jamie Winkup is champion. Jamie Winkup has won his seventh title after a penalty for Scott McLaughlin. What did you say to a young man that had dominated the season yet had walked away getting beaten? Well, all you can do from this, mate, is learn from it. And... He was very poorly done by in that situation. There's no way known that he didn't win that championship, I no, can tell you. No, no. And uh, it's just that when sections see success, they try and pull you down a couple of pegs. And, yep. And uh, he, he drove his insides out in that race, I tell you. And the car was looking pretty second-hand at the end of it all, but um, he still ragged it through and... And, um, yeah, he's, he should have won that without a doubt. And wh- where does he, we'll get to Bathurst, but where does Scotty sit in the drivers that have raced under your banner? Oh, he's, without a doubt, uh, the best of the best. Why? What was it about Scotty? Oh, just, well, his attitude to start with. And uh, and not only that, but his will to, to, to sort of give it his all, you know, and he had unbelievable car control skills, and he's still showing that now. You know, over in, in the states and in the Indy cars and things like that. Does it make you smile watching him race? Oh, over yeah, there? absolutely. He's doing a very good job. He's doing a real good job. Like he was, he's got he's got plenty to look forward to. So, you know, the rich history at Bathurst, um, and then Scotty brings. Drivers' championships. He brings team yep. championships. You, you've you've gone from the bones of your ass. You've Penske on board, you're back up on top. Tell me about the Bathurst with a lap to go. There's a restart. Scotty's leading. It might be the famous Dick Johnson racing team back on top of Bathurst. He's got Van Gisbergen right behind him. Where, where are you for this last lap and a half? <laughs> I was standing there glued to the TV, oh, yeah. mate, I can tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 2019 Great Race is going to be decided by one bizarre What was it like to watch? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. But at the end of the day, it was um, like there was no way known that Giz was going to nail him, I tell you. That's just the toughness of the guy. And he, he doesn't scare easily. You know, he uh, he just puts his head down and goes for it. And, and he sure did. <laughs> Cheap auto, Bathurst 1,000 of 2019. 
what did it mean to you? Everything you'd done and seen in motorsport to be to be Dick Johnson racing your team, your name, you and Jill, your business that you built from the garage, be Bathurst champions again. Well, it's that plus the fact that he could have put number one on his car, but he chose not to. He wanted to keep 17. Yep. Mainly because of me. So for people that don't understand, one is the championship winner. Correct. And I can see you getting a bit emotional about it, Dick. I, I could have had it five times, but I never... I'd rather just stick with the number I had. So he was paying homage to you by keeping the yeah, number Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Obviously meant but a lot the number, to you. Well, a lot of people wonder where, where the number came from. And and when I first started racing, you, you had to sort of register or pick a number. If if it was available, you could have it. And, and uh, the guy I was talking about, um, Keith Littlemore, who was running the Mini. Yep. We made a little bit of a team. You know, when I was running my E.H. Holden and he had his Mini, we painted them the same colour and all that sort of stuff and, and had a bit of a little team together and and uh, he, he was, like, he was number 71. And uh, we I applied to uh, Cams in Queensland to get either 70 or 72 just to, you know, have consecutive numbers. Yeah. And they weren't available. So I said to myself, why don't we just turn around the other way and just make it 17? Ah, so that's how <laughs> that's you where, That's where it came 17. from, yeah. And that's what Scotty followed on through. Yep. So where to, well, t- t- so Jet, now you've got your grandson. <laughs> like, what's it like watching, this? so this is third generation. So I've had you yep. and we had Stevie, now you've got the beautifully named Jet Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty special, I think, you know, and seeing that, you know, he, he does have the ability, it's just that, you know, they go through different stages in their life where, you know, all of a sudden when you, you end up with a bloody girlfriend and things like that, maybe your focus goes elsewhere. Who that knows? hasn't but, happened, I hope, Dick. You've got to get on the straight well, and narrow. Exactly. Well, I'll be putting him on the straight and narrow, <laughs> but he's he's racing this weekend right. down, down here in Sandown in the in the Super 3, along in the supercars. And so. what's it like watching him? Are you nervous? Can you watch? Can you not watch? Do you want to give him advice? Do you pull yourself back? How do you approach it? Look, I'm pretty, I'm pretty calm with it because... I can see the ability he has. He doesn't do anything stupid. Right. And uh, and he normally brings a car home pretty well. So, yeah, but he – and he does some moves which I thought were, um, yeah, pretty special. What's he call you? Is he, are you pa, grandpa, what are you? Oh, I'm just a grandpa. Right, grandpa. Yeah. So does he, does he does he come for advice? Do you offer advice? Do you just let him go in his own path? No, we, we sort of try and mentor him as much as we can, but, yeah, like my old man said, he said, you, you can never put an old head on young shoulders. Yeah, you know, so. you're right. Dick, we always finish this podcast the same way um, and you've kept me thoroughly entertained throughout <laughs> and people will be loving this with a little bit of advice for young people that are listening. We have a lot of young people listen yeah. and you've had so much success and you've, you've described your ups and downs. What advice would you give to the young people, whether they want to be car racing drivers or concert pianists, what, what would you say to them? Well, like I said, the only place success comes before works in the dictionary, mm-hmm. but um, um, and it's you just got to get the most out of everything you possibly can. Don't, don't let any opportunities go by because once once I had that rock situation and people were donating money and things, I said to Julie, "We got to grab this, this with both hands and run with it. There's nothing else we can do." So if you get an opportunity sticking in front of you. Always turn a negative into a positive. I love it. And what's it been like to reflect on 
60 odd years of racing. Well, I'm bugger if I know what else I would have been doing, actually. <laughs> but it's been very good to me. There's been ups and downs, but it's certainly taught me a lot. And uh, I hope I can sort of pass on that sort of knowledge to uh, to some of the younger generation. Well, as I said, Dick, I've got something for you here. Um, locally down at my way, the Bowen Heads Brewing Co., they knock out beer and, <laughs> as a mate, you called me pal and you invited me to the garage right and Jill gave me food. So there's a six-pack for you. I don't know when you're wow. going to get to drink that. <laughs> But, uh, mate, that's for you for keeping an eye on a young bloke who was getting a fairly hard time in the pit lane. I've never forgotten it, so it's a privilege to have you on the show, mate. Absolute pleasure, pal. Well done. There you go, pal. That's what it was, pal. (laughs) Good on you, Dick. Pleasure, mate. Dick Johnson. What a beauty. Can tell a story. I absolutely loved sitting there, listening to his stories, laughing along with Dick. May his cars win many, many more races. Hope this episode put a bit of a spring in your step as it did mine. Until next time with Michael Klim, you know the rest. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try